Welcome to Fraser Basin Council's First Nations Home Energy Save podcast. I'm your host, Darla Simpson, coming to you from beautiful North Vancouver, British Columbia, traditional Squamish territory. So Adam, this is our second podcast on building envelope energy efficiency. And this time we're going to be looking at it from a renovation perspective. So looking at the most common challenges, the best solutions to improve comfort, reduce utility costs, and make good decisions when we do need to repair or replace the building envelope component. And uh, Adam, so happy to have you back with us again. And Adam is with Enervision, correct? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I'm here working with uh, Enervision, which is a uh, building code compliance and residential energy efficiency company. And yeah, good to be back. Excited to talk a little bit more about building envelope this time. We are looking at existing construction. So more practical things that people can do with their, their homes. So for those that haven't listened to the first podcast on, on building envelope, just a quick review. What are the main components we're talking about when we talk about envelope and how important are they from an energy efficiency perspective? Yeah, no. So the building envelope is really comprised of anything that is on the exterior of your of your house as a function to keep the outside elements from coming in sort of from most important to least important you have your walls that uh, comprise about 35% of heat loss generally your roof uh, 25% your foundation and doors are about 15% and your windows about 10% you know obviously those numbers change from house to house based on quality and size but that's sort of how it how it generally looks excellent and so when, when we're talking about existing construction what are the most common problems we run into around building envelopes in our home thinking of energy efficiency but also comfort and health because they're quite often linked Definitely. Um, and on that, like I would say the most the most common and, and something that people notice is drafty walls and windows and doors. So when you see or feel cold or, or heat coming through, you know, whether it be a leaky door or a leaky window, and that really impacts both sort of the affordability and the energy efficiency of a home, but also the general comfort and and it can result in a lot of different problems. It can result in things like moisture buildup that then results in mold and really result in uh, damage to your home, which which results in costly repairs, all just because of a little bit of moisture that's consistently finding it to the walls. Another thing that we would often run into is just like poorly performing components. So often homes have been designed you know, from generations ago that still have single pane windows or inefficient insulation or damaged insulation. There's been a lot of progress in terms of driving the the overall efficiency of walls through new wall assemblies. So houses, you know, built years and years ago didn't have the same access to the designs that we do now. And then, you know, we see poor quality installation with poor quality installation, that just comes down to poor workmanship. With things like windows and other important building components, what the what often the eye doesn't catch can be a very impactful installation. So with windows, you're really going to want to make sure they're in, they're installed properly and and not just done by some handyman or what have you who doesn't have the proper training to do that. And uh, and then I guess the last thing we do see is is just general poor maintenance in buildings. So you know with house with houses, there's a lot of maintenance that falls on the homeowner. Um, you know, especially things like cleaning out window sills and making sure the inside components of the house are are taken care of. But um, 
you know, it's it's a good idea to try and ensure that homeowners are taking care of the inside components of the house. But furthermore, if you do have a housing department, there's there's some proactive things you can do, like needing eavesdrops, making sure people's drainage is away from their foundation, you know, cleaning off roofs once or twice a year, and then, you know, it, it educating homeowners about some of the things that they can do within their homes. And, and that can really result in uh, preventing some of the more devastating building envelope failures in a home. <laughs> I was just say that's a, it's a lot to keep an eye on, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and especially when we're dealing with, you know, every location has its extreme weather, especially here in North America and Canada in particular. It's really important that you design your homes and maintain your homes and fix your homes with that in mind. And, and you you keep an eye out for the problems that are generally plaguing your particular um, location and context. All in all, to develop strong maintenance habits is going to be one of the uh, one of the things that saves you uh, a ton of money in the long run and really does ensure that you you have an energy efficient home or as energy efficient of a home that, as you can possibly have with the components that you're you're dealing with. Really. So we're going to walk through the building envelope components from the foundation up and play a bit of a game. So the game is maintain and inspect, repair or replace. What is the best path forward? So let's start with the foundations. There are three main types. You've got your basements, uh, excellent for packing more square footage into a smaller footprint home. I think they're quite common kind of in colder climates. Uh, I see predominantly across the prairies, not so much on the coast. Um, we've got slab on grade, which is simple, cheap, durable, but not as stable in extreme weather. And then uh, crawl space. So one to three feet off the ground, it's really common out here on the south coast in particular. Uh, good in moist, in moist climates, but prone to moisture issues in the crawl space. So perhaps, obviously, we aren't going to replace the basement, at least very rarely. So what are the most common issues or complaints around foundations? And then, you know, what would we do to resolve them, maintain and inspect or repair? Yeah, so two major things that we're dealing with are, you know, cold. Um, so, you know, whether that be um, in a basement setting, your foundation doesn't have solid insulation or there could be cracks. If you don't have properly insulated uh, basements or uh, you know solid foundation, you're going to have a lot of cold and then you're going to have to heat that area and that's going to have uh, you know a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, impact on your heating bill. Furthermore, um, if you have the other two types of foundation, so crawl space or slab, you're going to still want that insulation below your below your floor, or you'll see, uh, you know, you'll have cold feet all the time, and you will end up paying for that in your heating bill. Although it won't be a main source of heat loss, it will you will experience still significant heat loss from uh, from your foundation with moisture. That's you know sort of evident in, in the way that you know if you have cracks in your foundation, or <clears throat> you have you know there's not a proper vapor vapor barrier, you will have mold that comes in and leaks, flood, and, you know, we've, a lot of us have dealt with floods in, in our lives and they uh, destroy a lot of your finishings. Those are, they're pretty catastrophic when you're dealing with moisture in a basement. So back to your game with uh, maintain, inspect, repair, replace. With a foundation, there are some really key main maintenance things that you can do, you know, other than just walking around the foundation and ensuring that you know there aren't cracks that you need to repair 
um, you're going to want to make sure that the the drainage from you know whether it be snow loads or, or rain um, any moisture is draining away from the home so um, you can you can actually you know grade your you know grade the ground away from the house but also make sure your eavesdrops are draining out into a place where it will ultimately go into you know what what whatever you want whether that be the road or into a rain barrel or into a garden or, or what have you but make sure it's not going into your basement or your foundation as well as uh, clearing out those eavesdrops from a repair standpoint when you're dealing with moisture or cold you're going to want to you're going to want to find the issue before you let it just continue to happen over and over again. So if you're experiencing flooding every time there's a heavy, heavy downpour of rain, find the source of that and repair it because it's going to be hard to replace your basement or do significant replacements to a foundation. If we wanted to address the cold issues in our basements, just to kind of improve the comfort down there, um, and we wanted to add in some more insulation, for example. Does that insulation have to be added from the inside? You could dig around your home and add more insulating, I guess, minerals. There's some sands and rocks that you can, and like some asphalt that you can add to the outside. But that is likely going to be quite an endeavor. So there would probably be better bang for buck trying to add insulation to the inside and, and, there are various ways that you can do that and depending on how consistent the heat loss is you might not have to re-insulate every wall or add insulation to every wall there might be a few cold spots or hot spots and then you can apply sort of application specific solutions to whatever the the area is yeah there, there's definitely things you can do to, to uh combat heat loss although they're, they're generally expensive so hopefully it's uh just a couple cold spots and then you can you can deal with those um, depending on where they are. Moving up the building, um, walls and wall penetrations. But before we dive into that, I know that um, many of our listeners may not be familiar with the different types of wall assemblies or the different components of a wall assembly. So maybe we can give them an example of some common wall assemblies and Talk about the different layers and the purpose they serve. Like I was talking about earlier, there's been a lot of evolution in wall assemblies over the last, you know, 50 years of, of building where, you know, we used to just build things with, you know, two by fours and maybe a simple vapor barrier and some insulation and then whatever your outside cladding on the wall was. And, you know, those, those walls can serve their purpose relatively well if they're installed perfectly and if they're in a pretty non-moist climate. But we found over, the, over time that different locations really benefited from different wall assemblies. And so, you know, someone in coastal British Columbia is probably dealing with a lot of moisture and um, maybe a little bit more mild temperatures than someone in, in interior Canada in the prairies who's dealing with, you know, minus 30 winters and, and lots of snow. So because of that, you should see different wall assemblies in different in different locations. So, you know, there's a rain screen wall assembly, which is recommended, and some places have it as mandatory code in British Columbia. And that really looks to create a air gap and basically a vapor gap in the wall and that which allows for effective drainage of moisture. Whereas here in Alberta, 
that is not really required nor recommended because what we're trying to deal with here is mostly keeping the cold out. So we'll deal with uh, maybe a exterior insulation or a uh, split insulation where we insulate both the outside and the inside of the building instead of just uh, your standard interior insulation. So, you know, in general, you're going to have a water shedding surface, a water resistive barrier, an air barrier, a vapor barrier, and some insulation. And then there's various types of, of exterior cladding. You know, we all see whether it be brick or, you know, cladding or stucco. So, yeah, the walls are, are really nuanced in, in the way that we need to build them. But main tip I have for walls in, in existing homes is if you are going to do a major retrofit to a wall, you're going to want to make sure that if you're changing it, change it to the right, uh, the right type of wall for your location and climate. And I know the, uh, the new BC step code is for new construction, but it describes six different climate zones based on the amount of heating required in each of those different regions. So um, they have recommendations for different R values, different insulation values um, based on the region that you live in to provide, you know, kind of the optimum balance between cost and comfort and, and helping you keep those heating bills down. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's all, it's the main variables that we're dealing with for the most part. And, and this is simplified. It's just moisture and then temperature for the most part. Those are the two things we're trying to manage because uh, heat loss and, you know, mold and moisture are the, are the two issues that just generally seem to uh, plague homeowners, uh, especially when they, when we're talking about walls um, in particular. I think we're going to talk in a later podcast quite a bit about um, the importance of balancing kind of air tightness and insulation with ventilation um, and kind of the sweet spot, depending on where you are, um, because that's a really big idea when it comes to balancing energy efficiency and comfort. Um, so what are the big problems or the common problems we see with walls as far as energy efficiency and building performance go? Drafts or moisture from the wall penetrations is, is big. So. I would, you know, there's so many things that are going into your home that aren't typically considered part of the building envelope. Even when we were talking about them earlier, we just said, oh, and penetrations. But, you know, we have electricity coming into our homes. A lot of us have gas or some sort of uh, heating and cooling infrastructure coming into our house. We have vents. We have all sorts of different things coming into our house, cables. So a lot of the time, a house is built pretty well. Penetrations start coming through the wall, and then that well-built home starts having holes in it that aren't necessarily effectively patched up, and uh, insulations moved aside and then not necessarily put back around. And it is just another thermal bridge in your house, so an, an area where the outside has a direct path to the inside. And that's where you see the most heat loss and moisture penetration. So from like a more high-level standpoint, something that really frustrates homeowners, especially when they, when they bought an existing or got put into an existing home or renting an existing home, you don't really know what you're getting into in terms of like the insulation value of your walls. You, you have these high heating bills. We don't really see the insulation in a home. So, and by the time you do see it, the problem is usually something you want to deal with immediately. So mold, high heating bills, and then drafty, leaky walls and, and penetrations. Those are, are a lot of the issues that you're, you're seeing come from the walls. 
So in terms of the wall assemblies, um, when we start running into these problems, maintain and inspect, repair, or replace? What are our options? With respect to you know a wall, there's not a whole ton of maintenance that, that needs to be done, but you should go around seasonally, go through, if you have a pressure washer, that can be a good idea, or even just going to certain areas where leaves collect or, or what have you, and, and just making sure that the the walls clear of debris and, and any penetrations or nothing new has happened. But, you know, doing a, an annual inspection is really where you're going to make sure you find some of these issues. If you do have any sort of anecdotal feel that your, you know, your walls leaking in a certain place or, or you think moisture is getting in, being proactive about that, that would be sort of the maintenance uh, aspect that I would look to. From a repair standpoint, it's it's expensive to repair a wall totally, but if you're noticing failures coming from just certain penetrations, those are things that you really want to get on top of. It can be as simple as installing a rain screen or adding a little bit of caulking. So to, you know, to a wall penetration from the outside, preferably, so you keep, keep it from actually getting into the wall. But if you are noticing real problems and we're talking about moisture mold really uh, really bad leakage you probably it's probably in your best interest to open that wall up figure out what's causing the problem and to uh, repair it because a lot of the time with mold you know that's a that's a health issue as much as it is a energy efficiency issue yeah there's there's some maintenance and repairs but if it's if it's gotten bad yeah it is going to be a, a replace situation and I know uh, one thing that we use quite a lot is smoke pencils, um, especially in older homes where they may have had renovations. You know, anytime you're, you're monkeying with a wall assembly, there's an opportunity to kind of miss something. <laughs> and uh, I know that we've seen some patio doors that were taken out and filled in and, and just never insulated, for example. So it looks like a wall, but there's no insulation back there. So using a, using a smoke pencil to kind of be a detective and find those, those leaky gaps. Yeah, definitely. Smoke pencils, thermal imaging camera, like the, there's things that you can do pretty simply now and at a low cost. If you have a smartphone, you can you can install thermal imaging apps. Like they're obviously not as good as a full thermal imaging camera, but if you if you're just wanting to check some things out, it's it's good to be proactive about these things because you know your homes are where you live and you have to pay for them to be heated and cooled so you want them to be healthy and you know enjoyable places to live and then probably the two most common complaint areas in the average home or at least where we get the comfort complaints coming in are the windows and doors and they often have you know they're the moving parts on a building they often have similar problems and solutions what are some of the common issues that we see around windows and doors and, and what are the solutions for addressing them? Um, yeah, so the main one would generally be drafts. You know, on a cold day, you feel that cold wind coming from under your door or through that window. That would be the most common complaint. And also, you know, going into the maintain and inspect, repair, or replace question. You're going to want to maintain your windows and your doors from debris and making sure that you, whatever seal you have in place is is remaining in place. But in terms of repairing those problems that you might run into, it can often be as simple as adding a door sweep. There's really simple and cost-effective ways to deal to deal and repair that. Whereas with a window, same thing, you can apply caulking and a seal around the edges. 
but there's also simple and, and quick solutions like a window film that you can apply to the inside and outside of a window that will add both insulating and protection to the uh, window. There is going to be a time in every house's life cycle where you have to replace the door and the window. And when you do do that, it's generally a cost-effective approach to replace with, with high-quality components. So, you know, an insulated door, for example, with limited windows or, you know, highly insulated windows and well-sealed windows and make sure that that new door has the proper sealing infrastructure around it with this door sweep and some seals you know and with windows you're going to want to install more than likely low u-value triple pane or double pane windows that have insulated frames and are installed by a certified window installer or a trusted sort of red seal carpenter journeyman carpenter who who has installed a lot of windows and has a track record of doing so successfully because windows in particular are a little finicky you really want someone who's who's experienced at doing that and that yeah that sort of leads to some other problems that we deal with in the doors and windows is you know you have a cool window frame often which is you know you don't notice it until you, you wouldn't notice it with your eyes but you can you can feel it you notice moisture and condensation those are often seal issues like like i mentioned earlier you can fix those through a window film or a seal but also it can be indicative of a larger problem and that may signal that your window has gone past its lifetime so just to clarify if i have fairly efficient windows installed. If I see if I start to see moisture in between the window panes, that's a sign that the seal on the window is broken, is that correct? Is it, is that a replace or a repair situation? So condensation in the window. That's more than likely going to be like you you're going to have to use a little bit of a judgment call to see how much moisture is building up and and where it's coming from because you you potentially can can repair that, but that being said, if it's a gas-filled window, it is going to be indicative that your window has probably failed and uh, you may want to replace it. You can seal it and add window film and, and, and somewhat repair the, the effectiveness of the window, but uh, if you're seeing consistent moisture in there, the window probably has failed, so you may want to consider replacing it. And then I think it's probably more common for us to see moisture build up, say, around the window sill or the edges of the window. Is that more of a signal that that perhaps the frame itself, the window frame, is poorly installed or poorly insulated? Yeah, and, and that can also be somewhat related to what you were touching on earlier about sort of that interaction between the building envelope and your HVAC and your, your ventilation and air intake. But yeah, that would be the, the general takeaway is that your frame is not, is failing in some way or that there's not harmony between moisture in the air of your home and your building envelope. So sometimes either adding or pulling away humidity can can also resolve that in the home so i guess in terms of maintaining and inspecting our windows that's more of like an annual sort of event where we want to go around and just make sure that the the caulking isn't cracked and just kind of general maintenance yeah yeah i would say you know depending on on where you are before the winter after the winter or you know so in the shoulder seasons it's a good idea to to take a look at most building envelope components, going through, checking the caulking and the seals, uh, making sure there's no cracks in the windows, same with the doors, making sure there's not any visible 
gaps under the door, which a lot of people do have. Going through and just checking those things out will will really save a lot of hassle in the long run and really extend the life of those building components to avoid replacing them and, and you know saving some money in the, the short and long term. If you're managing a lot of homes, to talk to homeowners about some of those things, most homeowners would have a few experiences that they could tell you about in their home that will really be able to guide what kind of issues people are dealing with. And often if there's multiple homes in the same location built at the same time, people are dealing with the same issues. So it can give you a good idea of there's some mass repairs or mass maintenance, things that the community needs to consider. And we're kind of focusing on windows and doors, but like we were talking about with the wall penetrations, this, this would apply as well, doing a visual inspection of dryer vents, the gas line in, the water line out, sliding doors. All of that can really benefit from, you know, just a regular visual inspection. And Well, yeah, and you would notice in that situation, like you may notice that in every home, there's the exact same problem with a certain penetration that got put in. So, you know, maybe it's every natural gas meter is super leaky. Then it's going to be, you know, a pretty easy solution if you're dealing with, you know, 100 homes to say, Okay, we just need to go and add some caulking and insulation to every natural gas feeder. That's very, very high impact and pretty simple maintenance slash repair habit that, that a community can get into. And I think that leads really well into the next component when we're talking about roofs, because we're not, we may not ex- experience comfort or visible damage to a roof until it's really gotten out of hand. So that, that proactive approach to, to going on up there and, and finding out what's going on. So if we reverse the game a little bit, uh, maintain and inspect, what should we be doing with our, our roof to make sure that it's optimally performing? So as a homeowner, the first thing that you should do is is those annual inspections, um, clearing off debris, cleaning the eavesdrops, you know, obviously make sure you're super safe when you do those things. And then, you know, from a housing department standpoint, I would say it's a really uh, impactful uh, maintenance procedure to, like I said, talking to the homeowners about certain things. Often people have ceiling fans that leak um, that they just deal with and it's nothing significant from their perspective. But if that's the case, you know, a lot, it's, it's not always going to be catastrophic. If, if you have a ceiling fan that's leaking, a lot of the time it isn't getting its way into your insulation or into your, into your ceiling, but it can. So being proactive about that, maybe you do want to take a peek into other people's ceilings or attics to make sure that there aren't clear moisture problems going on and mold that's developing anywhere. So that would be a, a pretty good maintain and inspect procedure along with the yeah, cleaning the eavesdrops is something everyone has to make sure you're doing at least once a year. In terms of repairing, always making sure that you can go through and when you when you do these inspections, if you need to replace four shingles on a house, you can do that on a consistent basis every year. You maybe throw up a hundred new shingles every spring because people have some failures in certain places. So that would be sort of the repair side of things. And then like any building component, we do have to be realistic that we have to replace certain things once in a while and with roofs depending on the type of roof that you have, but you are going to want to replace it, you know, every 15 to 25 years. Throwing in a bit of a curveball here, what are the opportunities to improve your roof? We know that a lot of our heat escapes through the roof. Yeah, so like often people associate their roof with uh, the outside, which which is 
really commonplace, but you know, there is the ceiling aspect of your roof, which is sort of the insulation between your roof and your the ceiling of your whatever room you're in the top floor. Some people have an attic, other people have, a, you know, just a crawl space that doesn't really have, you know, much purpose. And often it's super simple to go in and blow insulation. I guess point being is it really isn't a big endeavor to, to go in and add insulation to your roof or your ceiling from the inside out like it is with your walls. Often what's holding people back is, you know, something like a cluttered attic rather than the, the whole, you know, the whole process of actually uh, adding that insulation. It takes an insulation company a couple hours to go in and blow that in and, and then it's done and you've just improved the thermal performance of your building significantly for a pretty low cost and uh, low hassle too nice it's always good to have uh, a lower barrier win when it comes to to doing building envelope improvements because they are so expensive really to retrofit yeah it can seem daunting uh you know you you hear us talking about mold and how bad it is and how and then how expensive it is to fix the problem. Uh, it, it can be a daunting topic to try and get on top of your building envelope, but that's why hopefully we're trying to give some good proactive tips on uh, things that you can do to avoid the more catastrophic failures and you know some quick wins that, that you can do to just improve the overall thermal performance of the house without necessarily breaking the bank every time. And you, you alluded a couple of times to kind of community-wide planning, you know, particularly when you have a number of homes, maybe they're built by the same builders or have built in the same era, so they've got the same kinds of wall assemblies and same kinds of failure issues in the walls. Moving on to retrofit planning and, and project management, much of what we just talked about is reactive. A problem occurs and you deal with it. What if we wanted to get proactive and really look for opportunities to improve comfort, reduce waste? You know, we just talked about adding uh, insulation to the attic as, as a relatively low barrier way to to improve the thermal comfort in a building. What are some other things that we can be thinking about if we want to be proactive and just bring down those home heating costs and improve comfort? You know, like any problem, you have to understand what you're dealing with before you apply any solution to it. So it's something that that's proactive and, and often something that you can find government subsidies for is, you know, doing problem identification. So that can come in various forms, whether that be, you know, residential energy audits or, you know, thermal imaging exams or uh, home inspections. And there's, there's different levels that you can take that. You know, you can have quick 20 minute thermal imaging exams, or you can, you know, do full on blower door exams where you put the building under negative pressure and, and then you, you know, take, take a few hours and thermal image the whole area and, and make sure you find all those leaky spots. Getting really proactive about finding out what the problems are will give you the most impactful path forward. In a, in a community where there's likely, you know, different eras of homes, but more than likely uh, similar models um, in, within each era, the problems that people are dealing with are often similar. So that goes back to something I've talked about a few times, and that's that's having those open conversations with home owners or people who are living in those homes and saying, you know, getting a feel for, for the areas that they have leaks and the, you know, the areas where there's drafty windows or doors or kind of the, the more anecdotal uh, evidence is going to, is going to help guide that plan. Once you have all that information, making sure you develop annual or biannual or seasonal, what have you, uh, maintenance plan for each of the homes, both 
you know, from a housing department, but then potentially, you know, holding some engagement sessions or, uh, you know, sending out mailers or, or what have you about some proactive things that the homeowners may have to do, you know, on their end, especially with things in the interior of the home. But, you know, those, those proactive maintenance policies and plans are going to be really important. Developing that plan towards your budget. So you're not racing around trying to put out fires, but you're developing a system that ensures that fires don't happen. Yeah, I think many of our housing managers would really love to get out in front of that emergency, you know, response repair cycle. Nobody enjoys that. So having the time to plan and be proactive is super valuable. I wanted to circle back to one idea that you mentioned, though. When you have a certified energy advisor come in to do a home inspection, do they typically do wall moisture tests if we suspect or have concerns about potential mold or, or water in, in our walls? Is that, a, uh, is that something we should be looking into separately? So that's, a, that's actually a good point because whatever they feel like is the glaring issue, you're going to want to make sure that that's being identified in those inspections. So uh, if, if moisture and mold are the areas that you're going to look to, to resolve, um, make sure that when you, when you hire that inspector, that that is something that they have planned to, uh, to identify and establish whether or not you want that to be destructive testing or non-destructive testing, because a lot of inspectors will tell you that they can't be a hundred percent certain what's going on inside of a wall until they open it up and see it. You can make judgments based on humidity and pressure and temperature, but you never, you never know what's going on in a wall until you take a look at it, but they can definitely help you determine if it's valuable to take a look at and if, 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 if it warrants that next step. Definitely something worth the time. I, I know it's, it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh yeah, stop putting out the fires, uh, develop a plan, be proactive when there are budget constraints and real problems in the homes already that do need to be put out and dealt with. So, but as an overall sort of goal, that's, that's where you, where you want to be is it's in a proactive home maintenance and operation kind of flow. And I know it's not realistic for me to say that, that every community can do that tomorrow, but it should be something that we, we look to build towards. Sometimes the, that community-wide planning has a lot of financial benefits. The health and safety programs and the energy efficiency programs are often stackable. So you can kind of get incentives from both angles and, and really help to improve the affordability of, of making those upgrades. Yeah, and that, and that leads to actually a, a really good point about understanding the problems in your community and, and being able to quantify them. Often when you're searching out funding, you need to be able to express the need for it. And you can't do that without often without having some sort of third party assessment or some pictures and images and, you know, some clear costs as to how much it's going to cost to resolve. And those are how you generally can get funds is by effectively expressing those needs and showing evidence and then, you know, try and access as much funding for that plan in order to sort of alleviate the financial burdens and then whatever budget you do have you can, you know, go deeper into your wish list. Going back to the first part of our discussion, the main issues being poor components or, you know, components that have aged out of their effective lifespan or poor installation. When we're retrofitting our buildings, what can we be doing to make sure that we're addressing those things and we're not just kind of bumping up into new problems again? Depending on the level of repair, 
anytime you're doing something pretty instrumental to a building, whether that be even replacing a roof or, you know, re-insulating a wall from the outside, replacing windows, it's a good idea to have a third party look at the design. And that's going to do two things. It's going to make sure whoever your contractor is, that they're actually installing based on a design that makes some sense. And then furthermore, uh, to have someone review that design, you know, verify that it's going to achieve what you're looking for. It's going to save you a lot of money. I worked with a community that was doing a large building envelope upgrade to a, a commercial building. We engaged a building envelope specialist uh, engineering firm to uh, look at the design that the contractor had recommended, and uh, there were significant changes that had to be made. To think about how that process would have gone had we not engaged that building envelope engineer, you know, nothing would have probably happened for a few years, but then four or five years down the road, there would have been moisture in the walls and it likely would have resulted in failed thermal effectiveness as well as moisture and mold in the walls. That was a very simple and uh, cost-effective way to avoid a very large problem. When you are engaging new contractors or builders or consultants or whoever, doing some reference checks, just doing your due diligence to make sure the people that you're using are good. And when when those builders or, or contractors send you their staff, make sure it's, you know, people of high quality and people with the right certifications. So it's going to hold them accountable from that standpoint. When you're buying materials or your contractors are buying materials, ensuring that there's performance guarantees, warranties, those types of things. Often that's negotiable with contractors too. Asking your contractors, manufacturers, consultants, builders, whoever to present you with a few options. If you're building or repairing, you know, 15 homes and your contractor gives you this, gives you a solution and says, this is how we'll build you out to R30. Maybe ask what would the cost difference be to get to R40? And then you can make a, an educated decision based on that. Doing mid-construction reviews of whatever building repair you're, you're working on. If, if you are looking for issues while the contractor is there, making sure that that first window is installed properly, that there's not any leakage, there's not any moisture getting in. So those thermal imaging exams are helpful. You're going to uh, you know highlight all the areas of heat loss through that blower door exam. You'll be able to verify whether or not that window was installed correctly, whether or not the insulation was added to the wall, whether the door is insulated effectively. So you can identify the problems while they're on site and avoid that whole war of trying to get them back to fix something. And often it's not in poor intention, but they might just have not caught something or failed to do something. So doing that mid-construction review or inspection is going to be a really important one. I know we had one housing manager telling us a story that he, he wanted to go with some local guys to do some window replacements and call them up and he said, okay, I want you to come out here and replace one window. I'm going to watch you. And if you do it well, you get all of them. <laughs> and so, you know, he was very knowledgeable. He came from construction. You know, it was a great way for him to kind of find out right off the bat who had the skills to do it well and, uh, and, and support some local folks uh, rather than going with, say, a more reputable company with a big Google score, just making sure they have the skills to do the job. Exactly. And making sure like, you know, it's great when we do know what we're doing. <laughs> like, you know, uh, if you can observe and understand that that's a solid installation, that might be all it's required. If, if you can be that expert and you actually 
understand that. That's great. But like, uh, you know, any of us, right, myself, yourself included, there are parts of any construction process that we might not be uh, overly familiar with or, or may not be familiar with to the point where we would be able to identify strong installation habits on site or necessarily the right or the ideal design. So making sure that for whatever you're doing, the person that's inspecting it or reviewing it or, or what have you of the of sort of the solutions we just touched on. We've, we've talked a little bit about this, but um, I wanted to circle back, you know, our housing managers, they, they're often tasked with making some difficult decisions in terms of what to invest in and how to invest their, their maintenance dollars, their repair dollars. So is there kind of a list that we can give them? Like if we have options, what's the hierarchy of what to invest in if we have the option? When you're making an investment in your in buildings or in homes, it's it's a really hard often to kind of compare apples to apples. What's what's a better thing to invest in a, a new furnace or reinsulating the walls? In this case, it's generally a good idea to look to make sure that your building envelope is well sealed and has has a pretty solid R value in order to make sure that if you install this highly efficient HVAC system that you're not just heating the outside because you're heating your house and that it's just leaking into oblivion. We make sure our envelope is in a good spot before we invest in an upgraded HVAC system. Um, obviously, large replacements to your building envelope are going to be really costly. So you may want to, you know, take a two-pronged approach where you, for lack of a better word, patch up the building envelope and, and sort of repair it as much as you can. And then it may be more cost-effective to add some efficiencies to your HVAC system rather than, you know, replacing your entire wall. And it's kind of like um, that first podcast we talked about building systems and how they're nested. So to the extent possible, making sure your building envelope is in really good repair. And then that means that your HVAC system can be sized appropriately. Rather than having an oversized HVAC system heating the outside, we can downsize it a little bit, make it appropriate to the scale of the building that we have. That's exactly it. Yeah, just making sure that we're not wasting money in one place to essentially fix a problem that we could, you know, resolve much simpler with just basic repairs and maintenance. Well, knowing that, you know, building envelope, those components, other than the seals and that sort of thing, they last a long time, like 20-ish years. So if you've only got one or two shots at it in the lifetime of the building, where should we be investing our, our dollars in those in those upgrades? That's uh, definitely true. They last a long time and are expensive. So when we do repair things or replace things, you've got to make sure you do it right. You, you definitely want to make sure that when you're replacing your windows, you replace them with a solid energy efficient window and frame and, and installation process with any building envelope component you're going to want to at least explore the the high-end options and if that's cost prohibitive still making sure you install an energy efficient option is going to save money in the long term from a pure cost standpoint the incremental cost of investing in a uh, upgraded building component, so let's say a double pane from a single pane, you will make up all that cost and more through uh, heating bills and repairs and maintenance and whatnot. So investing a little bit upfront will save money in the long run from that incremental cost increase. 
And I definitely, when we're working with contractors, I often ask for, like, give me the good, give me the better, and then give me the best option. And sometimes when you pair those with incentives that are available, you know, that incremental cost, the extra cost for the, the best option or even the better option starts to look pretty good when you can access some of those incentives. And then, of course, you have the utility savings over the life of that component in the building. It comes into line faster when you look at all the different pieces, all the different costs associated with it. You know, something people don't often talk about when we're in these, you know, engineering, technical conversations is just that it's nicer to live in a nicer home and uh, a better forming home. So, you know, when you have windows that are not leaking and are nice to sit by, people are happier and, you know, happy people in homes is never bad for a housing department either. That makes everyone's life easier. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to uh, to investing in, in energy efficient technologies, especially when you're already replacing the, uh, the component. Okay, so for me, to sum up, start a maintenance program Watch for the little things before the big things. That seems to be one of my big takeaways. If it can be fixed properly, do it. (laughs) Especially if the building is less than 10 years old, that should be all you need. If you're running into bigger issues than that, then probably need to go back to those uh, warranties or contractors. (laughs) And then when you're replacing it at the end of life, make it better, make it more efficient to go for the extra investment and really reap the benefits for the next 20 years. And then, you know, in between that, 10 to 20 year zone what's our option there yeah so when when you're in sort of that gray area there's not going to be like a silver bullet approach but you do have to weigh what those repair costs are how long down the line do you anticipate a replacement like will will this repair pass how long will this pass the buck for and you just you do have to make a judgment call ultimately you know if, if you're going to spend a hundred dollars repairing every house's window every year and it's going to still just sort of pass the buck on for for a couple of years but if you have the budget and you and you notice that this problem is going to be ongoing sometimes you just have to you know expedite that replacement truthfully the, the goal should be in that uh in that middle zone to to try and extend the life of, of the components if possible and to try and get them along to you know at least their expected life 25 years but sometimes it's best to bite the bullet and, and avoid those sort of incremental repair costs and just replace them i think the other factor is something that we've talked about quite a bit is the community context so you know, if that house is going to be replaced and you know that it's a couple years out doing the bare minimum, likewise, if you've got a house where, you know, maybe you have a problem with broken windows or something like that, you've mentioned that a few times, don't go with the Royals, Rolls-Royce version, go with kind of the best cost-effective option, and then just, just kind of be prepared that that's going to be an ongoing problem. Yeah, like the, you, you can't avoid some things and, and we can do lots on an educational level to try and, you know, help uh, people understand the value of, of the building envelope of a home and how to properly maintain it. But ultimately, that's a variable that is sort of uncontrollable is, is the context of a community. And yeah, so that's exactly it. No one knows a community as well as the people who live in it. Big thanks, Adam, for uh, walking us through all of this. The building envelope feels super complex and really it's something that I don't think many people understand well. It's all hidden behind the walls. So I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through all of this. 
Thank you. It was nice getting to chat about this, and it always makes me touch up on my uh, my building envelope. So good to good to revisit some of the basics, and it's always nice to chat about this kind of stuff with you. And to you, our listeners, thank you for taking the time in your day to learn more about the options to improve comfort, reduce energy waste, and maintain affordable utilities by repairing, replacing, improving your building envelope components. We hope you found this helpful and perhaps have a few new ideas to bring to your work. For more information on the Home Energy Safe program or to download the next podcast in this series, please visit Fraser Basin Council's website and the First Nations Home Energy Safe page, where you'll also find a companion resource for this podcast with visuals and links to incentive programs and resources available to Indigenous communities in British Columbia. You can also sign up for their newsletter to learn about new training opportunities and support programs. Thank you very much. This podcast has been developed by SES Consulting as part of Fraser Basin Council's First Nations Home Energy Safe program. The program is sponsored by the Province of British Columbia, BC Hydro, Fortis BC, and the Real Estate Foundation of BC. Production by Aaron Trazo of Bird Media. <laughs>